Notice verse 5. And he, Jesus, could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. Notice that. And he could there do no mighty work, save or except that he laid his hands on how many? A few sick folk and healed them. And verse 6 says, And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around about the village's teaching. The Nazareth Syndrome. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you today for this opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus, to preach your precious holy word. I ask today for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you will anoint me, that you will use me, that you will help me today to minister your word to your church, to give to your people that which you have laid upon my heart. Speak through my lips today, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. I'm going to make a statement this morning. And um, it's, it's not some new revelation, but this is a, this is a fact. It's a statement of fact. And that is this, that the measure of your failure or success as a Christian in your Christian life is going to be your faith. The measure of your failure or success as a Christian is going to depend on your faith and your faith alone. And the Bible plainly says that and it tells us Jesus mentioned it several times but how many times he would say to people according to your faith be it unto you. And so you know it's not according and we need to understand this that it's not according to our uh, feelings or how we feel and it's not according to our fame or our fate or our friends but it's according to our faith. It's according to your faith that is going to depend on whether you are an overcomer, whether you are victorious, and whether you are successful in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. John said it this way in his, in his first epistle. In chapter 5 and verse 4, John said, For this is the victory that overcomes the world. What, what did he say it was? He said it's even our faith. It's our faith. So faith is our victory that overcomes the world. Of course, it has to be proper faith in the proper object. Amen. It's not just faith in general. Somebody says, well, what do you, what do you have faith in? Well, people say, well, I have faith in the Bible. I have faith in the Word. Yes, we, we must have faith in the Scriptures because this is the Word of God. But more specifically, our faith has to be anchored and placed in in Jesus Christ and in His finished work because everything that we receive today, and I've said this before, but everything that you're going to receive in your walk with God from the Lord comes through your faith and it comes by the means of what Jesus has done for us at the cross of Calvary. Amen. Everything comes because, to us because of that. So it's, it's according to our faith. So we need to know, I believe in the light of that, that we need to know how to fortify our faith so that our 
our faith is strong and that our fa- so our faith is solid and so our faith is unwavering. We have to have a faith that is strong. We can't be vacillating between faith and doubt and faith and unbelief, but we've got to have a strong, solid, steadfast, unwavering, unmovable faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Do you agree with that? So our faith is very important. And so we need to make sure that our faith is developed and fortified and and built up. Now when you look at our text today here in Mark chapter 6, these... These folks here in this city of Nazareth, Jesus was back in his hometown and uh, he was in the town. We were just talking about this, Brother Jim and I, before the service began this morning, but Jesus had grown up in the city of Nazareth. He had lived his life there from the time that he was about two years old. He was born in Bethlehem, as we know. He He was taken by Joseph and married into Egypt to escape Herod. Then after Herod's death, they came back and they lived in Nazareth. So Jesus grew up. He lived for 30 years or about 28 years in this city of Nazareth. So he's in his hometown. And so here in the hometown of Jesus, these people in Nazareth should have experienced, now I would think, they should have experienced a great, great manifestation of of the power of God there in that city when Jesus came back after coming out of the wilderness full of the power of the Holy Ghost. He had been going about doing good, healing those who were oppressed of the devil, great miracles, signs, wonders, healings, things were taking place. So you would think Jesus going back to his own hometown would have have done some great things there and that the people of Nazareth would have experienced some marvelous miracles Miracles would have been the result of his presence there. That there would be some spectacular healings that would have been the order of the day. But as you read the text, you find out that 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 wasn't the case at all, was it? The Bible says in verse number 5 that he, Jesus, could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on just a few sick folk and healed them. What was the problem? I mean, other places, as I said, other places, we just... We just got done preaching from that fifth chapter of Mark. And remember I said that, that the fifth chapter of Mark is known by many, is, is referred to by many as the chapter of incurables. And Jesus performed some great and mighty miracles. The healing and deliverance of the man at Gadara with the legion of demons. Then the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. Preached two messages on her. Then the raising up, up of Jairus's daughter. So mighty miracles were taking place. We read in other places where Jesus went into a town and the whole city would bring all of their sick, all of their diseased, all of their afflicted, and the blind would see and the deaf would hear and the lame would walk. And great, great miracles would take place wherever Jesus went. 
every disease. We've read scriptures where it said that, that he healed every disease and, and, and that was imaginable among the people. But that did not happen in Nazareth, his own hometown, among people that were his friends and his acquaintances that he grew up around and that he knew and that knew him. And so you would think surely there would be some of the greatest miracles that would transpire here, but there wasn't. So what we have to ask ourselves, and the Bible tells us, what was the reason for that? What was the problem? Why were there only a few healed in Nazareth when there was great miracles performed in other places? Well, we find the answer to that question in verse number 6. Probably this is the one of the most saddest or the saddest verses in the Word of God, but it says in verse number 6, as it gives us the reason why there were no great miracles, it said that Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. See, it was their unbelief that literally, according to the Scripture, that literally fettered His hands and chained the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in their life. It was their unbelief that stopped Him from doing great things. It wasn't that Jesus didn't want to do mighty things for these people. It wasn't that it, that it, well, it just was, some would say, well, it just wasn't His will to heal more people at Nazareth. We could say that, we could assume that, but that's not what we get from the Word of God. The Bible's very plain in telling us why there weren't great miracles done. And it said that it caused, actually caused Jesus to marvel and to be astonished at them because of their unbelief. Amen. And so that was the situation that was there. That, 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 and Matthew makes this clear in his gospel in the 13th chapter of Matthew. He makes it very clear in the same, um, in the same story that he gives in Matthew 13 and verse 58. Matthew says that he did not, Jesus did not many mighty works there in Nazareth. And he gives the reason because of their unbelief. Now let me tell you something. This is the Nazareth syndrome. And this is the place that a lot of Christians find themselves in and get into today. And I want, I, want to, I want to make it known to you this morning that doubt and unbelief is an enemy of yours and an enemy of mine and that doubt and unbelief is nothing more than a thief that will rob you of God's best for your life. It, wasn't that, it isn't that the Lord doesn't want to do good things in our life. It isn't that the Lord doesn't desire to bless us and to prosper us and to help us along the way and do great things for us. But can I tell you that it takes faith. It is according to our faith. It will determine on how much or what God can do in our life. And unbelief and doubt is a thief that will rob you and I of the blessing of the Lord and God's best in our life. See, you can literally, and I know there's people that don't agree with this statement, but I think the Bible, I know the Bible bears it out, but you can tie the hands of the Lord and you can limit God as to what He does and how much He does for you and in your life. 
Now, I know some people say, no, Pastor, I don't believe that there's any way you can limit God's power. His power is limitless. His power is unlimited. Well, let me tell you this. His power is unlimited, and He is all-powerful and almighty and all-omnipotent. But you, by either your faith or your unbelief, can Limit God's power as how it affects your life and my life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. And the Bible bears that out. Of course, in this text, it bears it out. But also, when you read the book of Psalms, Psalm 78 and 41 gives, in that 78th Psalm, it gives, it gives the history of Israel. And it says here in Psalm 78, 41, that again and again, they tempted God. And look, notice what it says. And they limited the Holy One of Israel. What did it say? They did what? They limited the limitless power of God because they refused to obey Him and because they refused to, obe- to, to um, believe Him. Now, I believe that God's looking for some people today that will take the limits off of Him. Come on, somebody. Amen. We talk about... We talk about, about limitations and limit. You know, we have, we have limitations in our life. You get out here on the highway, there's a sign that says speed limit. That's, you're not supposed to go. I'm not, I'm not going to get anybody under conviction this morning. You're not supposed to go. That's supposed to limit you to how fast you drive. You're not supposed to go over that speed limit. And I know that none of us here at Abundant Life Family Church ever break those limits and go beyond the limit. But, but, but there are limitations and God is looking for a church today. God is looking for a people today that will take all the limitations off of him, that will believe him for great things, that will believe him for mighty things, that will understand and know that he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ever ask or thank and believe him for great things. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's what God is looking for. And uh, so in that sixth verse, it says that Jesus literally marveled or he was, he was astonished. It said that he marveled at their unbelief. Jesus was literally astonished at the fact that these people in his own hometown didn't believe who he was, said that he was. And you can look at Luke, and we won't go there this morning, but in Luke chapter 4, we have, we have recorded exactly what happened when he went to the synagogue on that Sabbath. Remember, remember Luke recorded it and said that, that they brought him, he stood up to read as his custom was, and, and they brought him a scroll of the prophet Isaiah, And he began reading there in what we know as Isaiah 61 and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to uh, preach deliverance to the captive, to recover the sight to the blind, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to let the captive, the prisoner, open the prison door, let the prisoner go free, and to preach the year of Jubilee, the acceptable year of the Lord. And he read that and stood up and, and read that. Then Jesus sits down. This is what happened there at Nazareth. And he sat down and he said, this day is is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And do you know what they did? 
They were offended at him. They were mad at him. They said, how dare you claim to be that Messiah? We know who you are. You's raised up. You're hometown boy. You're just a carpenter. You're nobody special. You're no different than what we are. And they got so mad at him, they, wanted to, they, they did carry him. They kicked him out of town. And Jesus literally was astonished that these people had so much unbelief in their life. Amen. He marveled at their unbelief. Listen to me. I have known people and I have met people that have caused me to marvel at their unbelief in their lives sometimes. Amen. I've known people in the past that no matter what you would try to do or how you would try to encourage them or, or what you would try to give them from the Word of God, they just refused to believe the Word of God. And there's people like that today. No, I don't believe I'm talking to any today that are, that are in that place, but I'm preaching to you this morning to try my best to fortify and to build up your faith because if the devil can, he would love to bring every one of us here this morning into this Nazareth syndrome of not believing in the Lord and allowing unbelief and doubt to clutter our thoughts, to clutter our minds, to fill our hearts, and to fill our lives. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We've got to be free from that. Now, you know, there are two things. There are two, two different times in the Gospels that it's mentioned that Jesus marveled about something. Only twice is it mentioned in the Gospels in the ministry of Jesus that he ever marveled about anything. And here in this text is one time he marveled at their unbelief. And the only other time he marveled was when the centurion came to him and told him, remember the centurion said, I've got a son that's at home or a servant that's at home that's, that's being tormented and vexed by the devil. And Jesus said to that centurion, okay, I'll come and heal him. And he said, no, no, no. He said, you, I'm not worthy to have you to come into my house or under my roof. But he said, Jesus, all you have to do, you don't even have to show up. Come on, I'm about to get happy. He said, you don't even have to show up. You don't even have to come under my roof. All you have to do is just say a word. Just speak the word. Just say it done. Hallelujah. And I know my servant will be here. And Jesus looked at that centurion and he looked around and the Bible said that he, he, he marveled at the faith of that centurion. He said, I hadn't found such great faith anywhere in Israel. And he marveled at the faith of that centurion. And you know what happened? When that's Jesus, Jesus, glory to God, he just, he didn't go to his house. He just said, as you believe, so be it done. When the centurion got home, his servant was up out of bed. He was healed and he was doing fine. I'm telling you faith makes a difference when you and I will believe God. Believing God will make a difference. Amen? So he is marveled by great faith. So if I want, Je if I want Jesus to marvel or be astonished at me, I would rather have him to be astonished at my life because of the faith that I have and not because I'm wallowing around in doubt and unbelief. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all know, know that faith pleases the Lord? 
without faith, Hebrews 11, 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. He that comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Amen. So, so those folks at Nazareth completely and totally missed out. They saw more of Jesus than anyone else, yet they profited less than anyone else. They saw him and knew him, but, but, but they never did profit. They were offended at him. They disqualified him. They refused to believe. They said, he's a nobody. He's just the carpenter. He's nothing special. We knew him when he was working in Joseph's carpenter shop. He's nothing out of the ordinary. He's just like we are. And so they failed in their faith and they closed the door to the blessing of God upon their life. They had the Nazareth syndrome and listen to me ladies and gentlemen, that Nazareth syndrome will always shut the door on God's blessing to your life. I don't want to close up the heaven. Brother Joss, I don't want to stop Jesus from doing good stuff in my life. Amen. I'm believing him for great things. I don't want to, the Lord to ever stop pouring his spirit out or bless and blessing here at Abundant Life Family Church. But can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? If we see God do what we want him to do, we're, he, we gotta, we're gonna have to have some faith we're going to have to believe him. We're going to have to trust him. We're going to have to expect him to do great things. I haven't changed that sign out there on the, on, on the church for quite some time. I drive by it and I think, well, I need to change that sign. I've had that up there quite a while and it's just two words. And it says what? expect miracles. That's what God wants us to do. Hallelujah is to expect miracles. I'm telling you, faith works. Believe in God works. He is a prayer answering God. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. So we understand that unbelief is a problem. So how can we overcome that Nazareth syndrome of doubt and unbelief? And how can we fortify and build great faith in our lives? And I have three things that I want to share with you. And I'm going to try to get them in this morning if I can, all right? Three things. So bear with me. I've got about 20 minutes, okay? Maybe you'll give me 25. Praise God. How many give me 20 minutes? 20, 40, 60, 80. All right. Praise God. <laughs> Number one, don't let faith be fettered by your feelings. Come on. If you want to come out of the Nazareth syndrome, and listen, we all battle doubts that come into our mind. The enemy's always putting doubts in our minds, but we have to cast down those imaginations and those reasonings and those doubts and focus on the promise of God and on the Word of God. But if you want to overcome the Nazareth syndrome of unbelief and have faith that is strong and that is... Um, that is fortified, that is operating, that is working, that gets God's attention, then you cannot let your faith be fettered by your feelings. Amen. 
Never allow feelings to keep you from believing the Word of God or the promises of God. Because I'm going to tell you, how many times have you ever read some of these promises and you just didn't feel like that was true in your life? Well, I just don't feel that that's me. Well, your feelings don't have anything to do with it. Feelings, let me, let, me, let me just preach to you, teach you, do something here, talk, whatever. Feelings will betray you. Feelings fluctuate. Feelings are fickle. Come on, somebody. They change. You can be feeling good one day and feeling bad the next. I'll even go as far to say you can be feeling good one minute and be feeling down and bad the next minute. Come on. See, it is easy. It's so easy for us to live in the realm of feelings. And this is, this is the thing. See, this is where most of us live. This is where most Christians live. When they feel good and they're feeling, they're just feeling all joyful and bubbly inside and they feel good, then they believe that, well, I feel pretty good today. God is with me. God is, is, is there and He is hearing my prayer and, and I know that everything's going to be all right. But then, on the other hand, when they don't feel so good, then they don't feel like, they feel like God has left them. How many knows what I'm talking about? I, I believe I'm preaching to all of us today today because I think we've all been in this place. Well, I don't really feel the presence of God today like I did yesterday. I don't feel like God is with me. I don't feel like God loves me. I don't feel like God has heard my prayer today. And so they're living on their feelings. And listen, you can't live on feelings and faith at the same time. You can't live by feelings and faith at the same time. Come on, amen. They live in a <clears throat> kind of, uh, of like a yo-yo Christianity. Amen. I'm a, as I said, I'm a dinosaur. Some of these young folks may not know what a yo-yo is. I don't know if they still make them or not. But you know what I'm talking about. They're a, it's a yo-yo uh, experience that they're up one minute and down the next. And they're up one minute and they're down the next. And I've saw people that have lived in that kind of experience in existence. Amen. They are like a wave. James classified it as being like a wave on the sea. He said that when we pray, he said that we need to ask in faith, nothing wavering, nothing doubting. For he that wavers and doubts when he prays is like a wave on the sea, James said, driven with the wind and tossed. And he said, don't let that, don't let that individual think that they're going to receive anything from the Lord because they're double-minded and a double-minded individual is unstable in all their ways. Amen. Y'all been to the beach? Anybody ever been to the beach? Do you, you know, you, you know how you, some of you love the beach. Well, you, you've watched those waves come rising up, that big wave come rising up and it's coming in toward the beach and then when it gets there, it just falls flat and it crashes and it just levels out. And that's the way the faith of a lot of Christians Christians is today. They're, 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 they're up and then they're down. They're going by their feelings. Amen? 
You can't live your Christian life by the way you feel. You can't understand God by the way you feel. You know Him not by how you feel, but by what this book says about Him. Smith Wigglesworth, the great, <clears throat> the great apostle of faith, said this. He said, I cannot understand God and the Lord Jesus Christ by feelings. I can only understand God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ by what the Word of God says about them. Amen. Hallelujah. See, I'm not opposed to feelings. I love to feel the presence of God. I love to feel good. Everybody knows I'm not opposed to emotions such as joy and, and, and ecstasy and, and exuberance. I love those emotions. But can I tell you, my faith is not and cannot be based today on how I feel or on how I am emotionally. But my faith has got to be based, your faith has got to be based on the Word of Almighty God. Come on, somebody. There are days, there are days that I do not feel saved. Oh, come on now. I'm just down where the rubber meets the road. Come on. Anybody, anybody been in that situation? Hallelujah. Right now, I feel pretty saved. <laughs> Man, there's times, I've been through the times when I didn't feel saved. I didn't feel like, I felt, and the, then the devil perches up there, you know, and he says, you ain't saved. You ain't saved. Boy, if you were saved, you wouldn't act like that. If you were saved, you wouldn't have done that. You know, all of us mess up and make mistakes and thank God for the blood of Jesus so we can go to the Lord when we messed up and we failed and we can ask for forgiveness and he'll forgive us, amen? But then the devil's always there with that guilt and that condemnation. says, you, if you were saved, you wouldn't do that. You're not saved, amen? And so there's times that you don't feel saved. There's times that I don't feel saved. But can I tell you something today? I'm not saved. I'm not saved today because I feel saved or don't feel saved. I'm saved today. The Bible says that I am saved through grace, by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saved today. I got into the family of God by placing my faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for me at Calvary's cross. I stay saved today and stay in Christ today by maintaining my faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for me at the cross. Whether I'm up or whether I'm down, whether I feel good or whether I feel bad, whether I'm having a good day or whether I'm having a bad day, my faith is not fettered by my feelings. I am a child of God because of what Jesus said in the Word of God. Because of my faith in Him. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to blow some of y'all's minds. There's some mornings I get up and uh, first thing I always do, you know my routine. Everybody here ought to know it by now. Brush my teeth, 
coffee in the Bible. All right? Praise God. Don't want to go in the presence of the Lord with bad breath. So we go brush your teeth. <laughs> get your coffee. Get the Bible and go in my prayer closet, in my prayer room, in my office, my study. Read the Word of God and pray. But do you know what? There are times, there are times I go in that, in that prayer room. I get the Word of God out and I begin to read the Word of God. And, and worship the Lord and pray. And man, I tell you what, it's just like the glory cloud. <clears throat> just like the glory cloud comes into that room and just saturates my soul. And, and, and the presence of God is so rich and the, and the Spirit of God is so real and it's so good to be there. It's kind of like Peter, you know, was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He didn't know what else to say. He just said, Lord, let's build three tabernacles. It's good to be here. Let's just stay. Let's just camp out a while. Amen. And there's times you go into the presence of the Lord and I'll do that and, and read the Bible and, and, it's, and it seems like all oh, the Bible, the Word of God just opens up and the Spirit of God speaks to me through the Word and the glory of God floods my soul. And those are great times and it feels good and I enjoy that. But do you know what? There are other times that I'll go in that same prayer room about the same time, get out the same Bible and start to read and I don't feel nothing. And I, I'll read a chapter and game and remember what I just read and have to go back and read it again and I ain't getting nothing out of it. How many knows what I'm saying today? I've had people tell me, well, I don't read the Bible because I can't get, I can't understand it, get nothing out of it. I, I don't care. Just get it out and read it and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through it. He will. And I'll try to pray some mornings and it's like God is, is a billion light years away from me. I can't sense his presence. I can't feel him. It's just like he's, the heavens are brass and they're closed up and God's not there and he's not hearing me. And I'm going to tell you what, listen to me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We've all been there. And that's the, then the enemy says, well, there's no need in you praying. There's no need in you reading the word because you're just wasting your time. But don't let him come in. Don't let him get you in that Nazareth syndrome. Don't let him get you into that place where your faith becomes fettered by your feelings because that's when you have to say, I don't care, Mr. Devil, whether I feel anything or not. I have the promise of God that Jesus said, I am with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you even until the end of this age. Hallelujah. I've got the promise of God that my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God dwells and lives in me and whether I'm feeling him or whether I'm not, I refuse to be fettered by my feelings. I know that I am a child of God and he does hear and answer my prayer. Woo! His promise is that his eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. You just have to turn to that verse, you know, and say, okay, come here, devil. Come here, come here. Look what that says, Mr. Devil. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and I'm righteous by the blood of the Lamb, and his ears are open to my prayer. I'm talking to my heavenly Father in the name of Jesus, and through the blood of Jesus, I have entered into the Holy of Holies, 
And whether I feel anything or not, I am in the presence of Almighty God. And he hears and he answers my prayer. See, you can't be fettered by those feelings. I'm going to really blow your mind now. There are times I don't feel like preaching. What? You know me, man. I love to preach. Somebody said, I'll preach at the drop of a hat, and I'll drop the hat and get to preach. I like it. I can't imagine being called to preach and not liking to preach. Amen? But there are times, like this morning, I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling materials. Feeling pretty good, you know, spirit of the, just, just good. I mean, you know, there are times you get up to minister and it's flowing good and the Holy Ghost is, the anointing's there, the words come easy. But then there are other times when it's hard to preach. And there are other times that, that I get up here and I, my, I pray that you never can tell the difference. I, listen, I want, when I don't feel like preaching, I want to preach to the capacity where you are sitting there saying, boy, he's really feeling it today, even though I may not be. Come on, are you with me today? Because I don't want my faith to be fettered by my feelings, whether I'm feeling like a preacher, uh, preaching or not. You know, somebody said, well, the preacher showed up. The Holy Ghost showed up today. The anointing was there today. So preaching was easy. But you know what? I found out that even when preaching is hard and difficult and not as easy, Brother Josh, the same anointing and the same Holy Ghost is still there. Amen. He's still upon me. Amen. And whatever reason, sometimes it's a little more difficult. I don't know. Preaching's a, a strange thing to me. After all these years, it's still a strange thing to me. But, 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 but I know, I know, even when I don't feel like preaching, that, 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 there's, that, that God is still doing something. You don't see the enemy will say, well, you don't, you're, I don't know how many times the devil said when I'm preaching or after I've preached. Well, you know what? That didn't do any good at all today. Nobody was paying any attention to what you were saying. Nobody's getting it. And then sometimes it appears that way. It looks that way. Nobody's getting it. I'm t my wife ain't in here, so I can preach about her. Amen. I, 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 I'll tell her. You know, I'll say, boy, that was a bomb today. I mean, I just, I just, you know, I just bombed out today. That was a dud today. I don't think nobody got anything out of that today. And then I look, you know, and, and, I, and I'll say sometimes, you know, well, it just doesn't seem like anybody's getting it or I'm doing any good. But you know what? When I get in that place, you know what I always have to do? I always have to repent. I always have to ask God to forgive me. But you know what? I, I'm in good company because I read where Jeremiah did that one time too. Jeremiah was ready to turn his credentials in. Jeremiah said, I ain't going to preach and make mention of his name no more. I'm tired of the persecution. Ain't nobody listening to what I'm saying anyway. Ain't nobody caring about what I'm preaching anyway. And Jeremiah just said, I, Jeremiah 20, he said, I'll not make mention of him no more. I'll not preach again. I'm done. I quit. 
I think if, a good, if the prophet Jeremiah could do that, I maybe good company. The same devil talks to all of us. But old Jeremiah repented, and you know what Jeremiah wound up saying? He said, I said I wasn't going to preach no more, but oh, there was something got a hold of me, and his word was in, my, in me like fire shut up in my bones, and I couldn't stop. I had to preach. Oh, I'm going to tell you something today, ladies and gentlemen. I have to repent, and I have to ask the Lord, forgive me Lord for complaining and forgive me Lord for getting into the flesh and forgive me Lord for walking by feelings because I know whether I'm feeling it or whether I'm not feeling it your word will not return unto you void There may be some stony ground. There may be some thorny ground. There may be some wayside ground. But thank God every time I preach, I'm believing there is some good soil and some good ground and the seeds getting in and doing some good. No, I ain't going to get done with this today, am I? Not be fettered by my feet. Because when you become fettered by feelings, that's the Nazareth syndrome. His word will not return void. I think I'll just keep on preaching, whether I feel like it or whether I don't. Amen. You know what I found out? You know what I found out? I found out that some, and just sitting and thinking about this the other day when I was preparing this message. Some of the messages that I've preached where I felt the least like preaching wound up getting better results than some of those that I preached when I was really feeling it. That's right. I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I thought of this, and I, I'm going to close here. What time we got? I got to close. And I thought of this. We, when we were over at the other church, there was one particular Sunday night. I had been battling this throat thing, and like, you know, it started again this morning. Did you notice that? It started kind of like tightening up a little bit. And I'd been battling it bad. And you know how I was about a month ago? I preached, <clears throat> I preached a Sunday morning and Sunday night. If you get the, if you get the CD on, uh, on diverse kinds of tongues, that night I preached that message. And it was just, I could barely get it out. But it was worse than that. It was over there at the old church. And I preached, I, let me tell you something. I can't even tell you what the message was. I don't even remember what it was. All I knew was I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good. My throat was messed up. My voice was shot. I, I was preaching sounded like Mr. Haney from Green Acres. <laughs> it was bad. I thought, buddy, you got to get this thing over with and get out of here because you have bombed out big time tonight. It was bad. So I hurried up, got through the message, called for the, for the singers to come up, and I just gave a little simple altar call and said, 
I don't even remember what it said. Just, you know, let's come around the altars. And that was the night that Aaron and Talisha came forward and gave their hearts to the Lord in that service that night. That Do you know what? Feelings had absolutely nothing to do with it. Amen? Even though the preacher wasn't feeling it and the preacher was struggling through the message, oh God, the Holy Ghost was still working and moving and doing His work. And you know what that makes me to, to, to see and to understand? That it ain't about me or me being some great man of faith and power because I'm not, don't claim to be, amen. Oh, I, you know, if you could hear me pray and seeking the Lord for the services in the, uh, on Sunday and stuff, I'm always praying, God, I can't do this without you. I need the Holy Ghost. I need your anointing. I need you to speak through me. And then by faith, I believe that he's going to do it. And whether I feel it or whether I don't, I believe him, amen. I believe him that he's going to work. Whether it looks like it or whether it don't, I'm believing him that he is doing something. Whether it feels like my prayer has been answered or not, has nothing to do with it. I have got to believe that God heard me and that God has answered before I see it, before I feel it, I believe it and that is when it will take place. Amen? Amen. Not be fettered by our feelings. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to stop right there. You'll have to come back tonight and get part two because I got to finish this. But I have two more points and I don't have time this morning and I don't want to belabor it. But, but, but don't get in and stay in this Nazareth syndrome that these people in Nazareth it blocked them from getting God's best it stopped them from receiving somebody said well you know it's <clears throat> it said that he Jesus laid his hands on a few sick folk singers and musicians you can come on back he laid his hands on a few sick folks. And you know why I believe he did that? Because that's all they brought to him. You know, we read in other places where Jesus went to one particular city, one village, and when they heard he was there, they came from all over that village bringing all the sick and the diseased and the lame and the blind and lined them up in the streets for Jesus to pass by and to minister to them. Why did they do that? Because they believed in who he was. They believed that he was this, the, the great prophet, the Messiah, the one who had been promised. They believed that he was the healer and the miracle worker. These people at Nazareth brought him a few sick folks. Why? Because they didn't believe who he was. Oh, they said, well, there's some blind people in Nazareth, but we ain't going to bring them. We'll just, Grandma down here, she's got a little arthritis, and, and, and Aunt Susie's have, had a headache, and, and so-and-so down here's got a little sinus problem. We'll bring them. Maybe he can do something minute or small. 
but we're not bringing none of the lame or the blind or the or the or, or, or the lepers or the or the crippled. We're not bringing any of them because we just don't believe. After all, he's only a carpenter. What can a carpenter do? Oh my God! Yeah, he was a carpenter, all right. He was a carpenter, but what they didn't realize, he was the carpenter that was the architect of the universe. He was the carpenter that created the heavens and the earth. Hallelujah! He was the carpenter that would build the church of the Lord Jesus Christ if they would have just understood and realized who was in their midst and believed him. Oh, what a mighty, what a mighty work of God could have taken place. But he had the reputation of being from Nazareth. And who was it? Andrew said, can anything good ever come out of Nazareth? Hallelujah. What is it? Philip said, come and see. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something good did come out of Nazareth. Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God. Woo! We're going to believe Him today for great and mighty things. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, it would have been easy. It would have been easy for Terry and Patty and Lauren to say, well, this is the doctor's report. Too bad that the Lord can't do anything about that. But they didn't do that. They came and we prayed and believed with them. And others everywhere praying. God moved. 